Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Rev. And Estefa, this is actually my last Sunday as being one of the pastors here at Rev. Um, so lots of mixed emotions today. Um, and uh, yeah, I haven't met some of you. And I, but I've also done the last 13 years with some of you. Um, so there's so much I could say today. And I think uh, the scripture, I'm really grateful that's the scripture I've been given to speak on <laughs> um, today, um, because the title of my sermon is called Stand With Your Brothers. And um, that's definitely something over the last 13 years of being part of this church that I can testify to and hopefully share a bit of wisdom from God's word. Um, yeah, already gone off script, um, but that's all right. I won't go for hours. <laughs> um, so stand with your brothers. I guess most of us, the world would understand this. We see it even in the football now. If you're a football fan, you would have seen the teams lined up, belting out the national anthem. So the world sort of understands what it means to stand with our brothers. Um, but Jesus told us as believers to be known for our love. So I actually think that standing with our brothers, we should actually look even more different to the world. If the world can do it, then we can definitely do it better because we have Jesus' Jesus' example. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And I guess I want to look at our scriptures today over the next 20 minutes and just hopefully ask some provocative questions about how might we stand with our brothers in a way that the world looks at us and goes, there's something different about us. This isn't just how the world does it. This is different. And we can say it's because of Jesus. And interestingly, I've been kind of just processing what our society looks like, even in the football or in movies, we see people being celebrated in a team collective, but also individually. In a football match, you get a man of the match. In a, in a film, you get the best actor. We have a society that promotes like individual achievement, um, even amongst collective things. Um, footballers can't win man of the match without a team or a best actor can't win best actor without the film being made. But as a society, we're driven by this individual success, this individual achievement. And I don't know about you, but if I was being humble enough, I would easily say that I get I fall into that trap that, oh, how well can I do? How what's in this for me? What do I gain? How I look? Um, And I'm not sure that's how we should look as believers. And actually, the challenge is that in our modern day society, uh, we should be known for our love. We should be actually known for our genuine concern for others. As brothers and sisters, we should be able to look different from what the world says. So our passage today, if you want to get your Bibles out, it will come up on screen, but you're all in your home. So you might be able to grab a Bible. Uh, Is Joshua 22. uh, And we're going to read. I'm going to read from verses one to six. So if you just flick there and Andy and Lauren will help us with it on screen. So Joshua 22, it says, At that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half tribe of Manesh and said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I've commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but you've been careful to keep the charge of your Lord. And now the Lord, your God, has given rest to your brothers and he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. 
to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. Now, this this passage needs a little bit of a backstory because one of those ones when you're just in your reading plan or whatever, you get to it and you go, oh, that's nice. Oh, where did that come from? Um, <laughs> so in this one, you have to flick back to Joshua 1, which we're not going to go there, but I'll summarise. And basically Joshua 1 is uh, Joshua commanding the Reubenites, the Jedites, and this half, half type tribe of Manesh. He's commanding them to leave their wives, their family and livestock and come and fight across the Jordan River with the rest of the tribes of Israel. They respond in that moment by saying, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go just as we obey Moses and all the things so we will obey you. Now, again, that one, again, you read out of context and you go, what was that? What was what were they obeyed to do? Where, where's that come from? So we've got two kind of out of context things, which if we go back to Numbers 32 is where the context comes. This first, what are they obeying? What are they commanding? So in Numbers 32, the Reubenites and the Gadites had come to Moses where they were camped. So this is when Moses was leading the tribe of Israel before it was passed on to Joshua. And they asked Moses where they were camped. They say, can we stay in this land because it looks pretty good for the livestock? Now, Moses at this point isn't happy because they aren't in the promised land. It isn't the promised land where the people of Israel are meant to be going. And he basically rebukes them, saying that this is what your fathers did. And this angered God so much that we spent another 40 years in the wilderness. And that moment, the Reubenites and the Gadites, they responded by saying, no, no, no. What we'll do is our men of valor, like our mighty men, our army, they will come and fight with the other tribes and take the promised land. And they will not return until each person has re received their inheritance. So they're basically saying, look, give us the permission to come back to this land once we have seen the promise of God fulfilled. And Moses is all right with that. So what happened? So what we're seeing in Joshua 22, the passage I read, is we're basically reading the conclusion of a journey for the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half tribe of Manesh. It's a conclusion of them over years of standing with their brothers and sisters so that they might benefit. For them, it was a sacrifice. Why on earth would they put themselves in harm's way? Why would they send the, their, their, their men into battle? They were prepared to count the cost for their brothers and sisters. They might re receive the inheritance. And they were prepared to put the needs of others before their own in a commitment to those people. And the reality is for them, the reason they were able to make this sacrifice is because of obedience. They follow the commandments given to them. So they follow the command of Moses and then they follow the command of Joshua, which means when Joshua releases them back to their people, they're following that. But the key thing is that above all, they trusted in God's promise about the promised land. They weren't prepared to let that promise go. They knew what the promise for the people of Israel for. So they feared God over man. They were more concerned about what God fought, God's promises, than they were about kind of this precious land. So today what we're going to dig into is this idea that sacrifice we make sacrifices that comes from a place of obedience for our brothers and sisters. And we see an ultimate example of that in Jesus, the one perfect man who paid the price for all sin. I'm going to read, flick, if you want to flick with me, to 1 Peter 3, 18. The words won't come up on screen, but it's a short one. 1 Peter 3, 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. 
Christ died once, <laughs> once for all sins, that us, the unrighteous, that he, the righteous one, died for us, the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. We have this perfect example of a sacrifice. No sacrifice anyone on this call or anyone on earth will ever make will compared to the sacrifice that Jesus made. He paid the price for our sin, but we don't have to. Our sins now long, no longer once we put our trust in him and not counted against us. And there's this beautiful passage in Hebrews 2.11, which says he is now not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed of us. Jesus is not ashamed of us. When we accept our wrongdoings, when we seek forgiveness, when we put our trust in Jesus and commit to a life of following him, Jesus, this perfect one, the king of all kings, <laughs> is not ashamed of us. But is instead calls us family because of his sacrifice. So let that take you for a moment that Jesus is not ashamed of you. When we seek forgiveness, his sacrifice paid that price for us, for our sin. And Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters. There's a very famous passage in Philippians 2, which if you've been around church settings, uh, even a few months, I'm sure you've heard it. And I'm going to read from Philippians 2 verses 3 to 8, which talks about this sacrifice. And it, it kind of gives us an example of how we should live. So this is from Philippians 2 verses 3 to 8. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and found in being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, for us was prepared to leave heaven, to leave the right hand of the father, ultimately so that he can bring us into eternity with him. He didn't do it, he didn't do it necessarily all for himself, he did it for us, that we might be with him in eternity. And in verse three of that passage I just read, Philippians two, it says, count others more significant than yourself. So he's saying that Jesus counted us and made a sacrifice for us. What, what sacrifices are we making in our lives that others might prosper? Are we putting the needs of others before ourselves? And this was the, the thing that really strikes me about Jesus. He's got his eyes on this future hope, this drawing us into eternity. How much do decisions now, are, are our decisions based on our future hope in Jesus and eternity with him, or are they fixed on the present troubles of today? We need to be people who have made decisions based on this future hope in Jesus, prepared to put others before ourselves because of this future have, hope we have. Jesus made this sacrifice out of obedience, and so did those tribes. They made a commitment to Moses and stuck with it right till Joshua, until the people of Israel would receive their land. Jesus, he was obedient to death on the cross. We read in the stories, in the, the accounts of leading up to the crucifixion, the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is obedient and says, not my will, but yours be done. He's saying to the Father, not my will, but yours. His obedience comes from a place of trusting God above all else. I think ours should as well. It shouldn't, our, our trust shouldn't come from our success, our social standing, our financial status. It should come from God and God alone. And our obedience in those moments will lead to lives that see Jesus glorified above all. That's what I want. 
That's what I want for everyone I can see on this call. They see Jesus glorified in your life because of your obedience to him. What I love about this, this passage in Joshua as well is not only do the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manesh receive their inheritance, but so do those they stood with. They made those sacrifice that people might receive their inheritance. With Jesus' obedience and sacrifice, coupled with our repentance and faith, we become recipients of an inheritance that we would never get ourselves. We would never be entitled to that only because of Jesus. So I guess I want to put some questions to us as a, as a church. And that question is, where will your obedience to God lead you? What sacrifices will you make for other people? Now, so, now I imagine most of us aren't in a war situation where you've got some, some family or friends saying, come across the Jordan River and come and fight with us. Most of us, I imagine, aren't in that context. But on this call, people you know, they will be facing various trials. For example, you could stand with people in prayer through difficult seasons or new and exciting adventures. We've got church plants at Rev all over the world. We've got some up in Tottenham. We've got some in Seoul. We've got in Frankfurt. God is doing work right in this church. You might go for a season. Do you know what? I'm going to commit to pray with those pioneering situations. I want to get the prayer requests. I want to get the points. I'm going to stand with them. You could know someone who is unwell at the moment really having a challenging time with sickness and you're going to say do you know what i'm going to commit to stand with them and pray i'm going to choose to bring them before god people you know might have lost your jobs or facing really challenging times with relationships in these seasons we can stand next to people and say i will seek god for you and with you bringing people before god should be a vital part of our prayer life and I was quite humbled this week as I was preparing. I was thinking if I was to look back at my prayer life this week, uh, it would look significantly self-centered, significantly asking God for things about me, help me with this, give me wisdom for this. How many times this week, if we were to be really honest with ourselves, would we, did we bring other people before the Lord? Did we seek, other, did we seek God for other people's needs? And another way that our obedience sacrifice we can make, it could lead to generosity. That's not just financially, it could be practical support. You could be helping people with job applications, reading through uh, CVs and all that kind of stuff. It could be painting a bedroom for someone as they've just moved into a house. It could be buying a food shop, making a meal, it could be babysitting. There's loads of ways that we can make sacrifices and put others before ourselves. It isn't, isn't glamorous stuff. Those tribes didn't go and do glamorous stuff. <laughs> Jesus didn't do, it wasn't glamorous, but it looked so much different to what the world would do. When we had our children, so I've got two small children, and when we had them, we were so blessed by people making meals for us. And I remember chatting to colleagues and they were like, what, people just dropped off meals for you? They were blown away by it. Now, for, for if you're part of a church a little bit, you start to get used to, you see the rotor pop up, whatever. But for people outside, that's not, that's not that normal. That's a really simple way that we can bless people. But how cool is it that you could be in conversations in work or with neighbours, friends or family, and they go, why are you doing that? And you go, well, you get to explain Jesus because you understand the love of Jesus in your life and your obedience to him. It's not glamorous, but it is different. It should look different. And ultimately, standing with each other is basically our, <laughs> is following the words of Jesus where he says to love God 
and love others. In Matthew 22, 37, it's what, in your Bibles, there might be a little heading, which isn't actually scripture, that says the greatest commandment. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Love God, love others. It's almost the, the simplest thing of what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to give your life to following him? We used to have this um, question we'd ask in running partners, which is these twos and threes we meet with in Rev and we encourage everyone to be in. Um, but we used to ask, how can I serve you better as a running partner? How much more as a family would we be known for our love if that was the question on the tip of our tongues? You go out for a coffee with someone, or you have someone for dinner, or you bump into someone in the street. So how can I serve you better? This is an epitome sort of of what these tribes did. Jesus is the ultimate example of this. And he didn't even need to ask us. He knew what he needed to do for us. How can we serve us better? So I'd love us that to be sort of the, the takeaway from what does it stand with your brothers look like? This kind of sacrifice for others that comes from a place of obedience. And before we finish today, I sort of wanted to charge you as revers on my final Sunday as an elder. Hopefully I'll be back one day to come and share what God's been doing. Um, but we can flick back to Joshua 22, 5 and 6. So Joshua sort of charges the tribes as well as they go back. Joshua 22, 5 and 6. He says, be careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. That's to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his, way, all his ways and to keep his commandments and cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. I guess, Revers, what I want to say to you is keep loving God. Keep seeking him. We've done so well over this last year and a half to not lose heart. Know that he is for you. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. When you to walk in his ways, follow his commandments and cling to him. Keep feasting on this word. Keep staying in the word of God. Don't, don't get consumed by the news. Don't get consumed by Twitter and Instagram. Get consumed by the word of God. It will allow us not to be tossed around, but be able to cling to him. We heard it earlier. He's our rock our refuge, our fortress, our hope, cling to Jesus and serve him with all that you are, with all that you have. I guess I just want to encourage you to leave no stone unturned in pressing on with the things that he's called us to. Each one of you is significant in this body. Each person has a part to play. Each one of you has a call of God on your life to love him and love others. And I believe that as we pour ourselves out, we'll find our place in this church. We'll find our place in his body. We'll, we'll see God do incredible things amongst us.